Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Irish Sport and Exercise Science Association podcast. The aim of this podcast is to open up the world of Irish sports and exercise science to you. There is so much amazing work being done, but there's little opportunity to promote and celebrate it. I'm your host, Bruce Wardrop, and I'm delighted today to be in studio recording live in person with Anna Louise Muldoon and Marie O'Connor. Anna Louise is a lecturer in the Department of Sport and Exercise Science here in SETU Waterford, and Marie is a member of the gym in the SETU arena. Anna Louise and Marie, you're very welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Nice to see you. Very nice to see you. Uh, Marie, I might go to you first. Mm -hmm. I tried to come up with a lovely, well-structured opening question that hints at why we're talking to you today, but I actually can't come up with anything other than, can you just tell us your story? Okay, (laughs) right. Once upon a time, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Well, I would have been, I am 74 years old now, and five years ago, I was a very active person, um, playing sport and going to exercise classes, swimming and what have you. And one day at a Pilates class, at the end of the class, I went to get up and I felt my left leg was a bit funny. And by the time I stood up, I realised I was completely numb all down my left hand side. Now, I could move everything and I could talk and my vision was perfect. So I thought maybe I had um, pinched a nerve rather than I hadn't strained a muscle because the whole left hand side was gone, literally down the middle of me, that I pressed my right hand nostril and I could feel it, but my left hand nostril, I couldn't. And all my face and arms, everything, leg, everything was completely numb. No feeling whatsoever. So anyway, I left the class, got into the car, drove home, (laughs) didn't say a word to my husband uh, because I thought, as I, I said, I must have just done something in the class. As the day went on, I kind of Googled things and I said, Surely this can't be a stroke because it's not F-A-S-T. No face and my speech was fine, my vision was fine. To look at me, I look as I do now and I could move everything, but no feeling whatsoever. So anyway, that night I actually took two Disprin, just to be on the safe side, And I was going to the doctor the following morning because the previous week I'd had my annual bloods done to check up everything. So, again, I didn't say a dicky bird to my poor husband. And I went to the doctor the following morning, got my blood results. Everything was fine. Cholesterol, um, blood sugars, haemoglobin, everything was absolutely perfect. I think, I can't remember if she did blood pressure or not. But anyway, at the end of it, she said to me, and by the way, she was a new GP. She'd only taken over the previous week from my own GP. And um, I said to her, by the way, I'm completely numb (laughs) down my left-hand side. I I don't mean to laugh, sorry. I (laughs) I know. And I literally saw the poor girl's face 
drain white. So then she had me do a few exercises with kind of moving my finger to my nose and I could do my right hand but the left hand was going kind of a bit all over the place. So anyway, she sat me down. She said, look, go straight across to the hospital. So I said to her, oh, I said, I drove here. <laughs> so she said, no. <laughs> so I had to ring my poor husband and tell him that I was going to the hospital. And so anyway, between the jigs and the reels, I ended up in hospital and I was in for a week and they did loads of tests. And it turned out the MRI scan showed I had a clot on the right hand side of my brain. Now, why I got the clot, we don't know. The only reason they could think of was that maybe a bit of plaque, which forms in your arteries as you get older, had for some reason broken away and travelled up to the brain. And the, the I could see the clot. It was about the size of my little fingernail on the right-hand side of my brain. And you could see where it was, the little white patch there. Anyway, they um, kind of said to me, well, look, all we can do is put you on preventative medicine. So I'm on kind of blood pressure tablets even though my blood pressure was fine. I'm on cholesterol tablets, even though that was fine. And, um, I, oh yeah, I'm on um, a blood thinner as well. It's kind of an anticoagulant as well, just as preventative um, medicine. So um, <clears throat> I came out of the hospital and they said to me, oh, we'll contact you about the stroke clinic. Um, I'm still waiting five years later. I don't think there is such a thing as a stroke clinic because I rang up a few times about it and nobody seemed to know what to do. So anyway, in my own mind, I knew I should try and do something myself. So I did an awful lot of physio, private physio, to try and get back as much feeling as I could because, as I said, you could have stuck pins in my arms, in my legs, in my body, anywhere, and I couldn't feel anything. So gradually the feeling the feeling is now back in my obviously in my face and arm and body, but my left leg is not great. Um particularly the thigh, which I suppose is it's such a big muscle that um to get feeling into that. I describe it as um, when you're defrosting a leg of lamb, <laughs> that the outer bit gets defrosts first, but the inner bit is still frozen. And that's what my thigh feels like, because I can feel um, if I poke my skin, I can feel that. But inside, I can't. So it's weird. And my foot is now back where I have permanent pins and needles, which is better than numbness, but it's still not full feeling. So I've slowed down an awful lot compared to how I would have been before. And I just am careful with what I do. 
But I, um, as I said, I did loads of physio to try and get back as much as I could. And I was looking around to do exercises and things. And I uh, joined the Irish Heart Foundation. They have um, a stroke support group. So I went to that. But most of the people there would have been affected. Their mobility would have been affected a lot. And to me, they were a lot older than me because I was only 69. And I, as I said, I wouldn't have ticked one box as a person to have a stroke. And my heart is perfect because I had all kinds of tests done on that. And um, everything is fine there. And there's no family history of stroke or heart disease. So, as I said, why did it happen to me? But um, anyway, so then I um, was looking around for things and I heard of uh, Anna Louise's Exwell class. So I started doing that, the exercises. Um, and in the group, I was the only stroke person, but there were other people who had had heart attacks and Parkinson's and other complaints as well. And um, the exercises were great and I really found them beneficial. And so I've carried on since then and progressed and um, do lots of exercises now and go to the gym twice a week and I do an exercise class and then I also separate to that I go to Tai Chi lessons and I walk every day and so just to keep myself as active as possible. It's it's a, a fascinating story. It's it's yeah. so interesting. And I might loop back a little bit. Yeah. Sorry now, I, I yeah. will get to you at some That's point, okay. Anne That's Louise. Okay. That's um okay. but so yeah you as you said, there was no family history, no signs and symptoms. So and and you walked out of the out of your Pilates class. Yep. Hopped and in the car. Hopped in the car. Yeah. And drove, and drove home. And was able. And my fun brain functioning was fine, and my vision was fine. That, so it never even occurred to me it was a stroke. That's what I was going to ask. Yeah, but the fact that you googled it later on, it yeah. must have come into your head at some stage. Yeah, be- because it hadn't gone away. So I, I kind of said to myself, now, what on earth could this be? And I knew I was going to the doctor the next morning. So I said I could ask her. But I mean, and they say to you, you know, to get to the hospital as soon as possible, you know. Of course. But I suppose it's different if somebody's speech is slurred and they can't move. But I could move, but no feeling. Yeah, it was kind of but atypical, I suppose. It wasn't it, the normal presentation. No, not None whatsoever. And how was your husband when you finally broke the news to him? Oh, <laughs> he was <laughs> the poor fellow. I, I suppose in his mind he was saying, why didn't she say something sooner? You know. But and typically it would be the men that don't yeah, say something. Yeah, exactly. But, um, but I mean, afterwards he was, you know, so supportive and the whole family were so supportive to me because it took me a while, like... Even to do things around the house. Um, I don't know. I suppose my kind of brain was a bit numbed that trying to think, well, my life has changed now. Um, That kind of even going up and down stairs. 
I'm just, I'm not frightened of it, but I'm just cautious because I know when I put my left foot down, I have to make sure it's fully down. Little things you take for granted. Yeah, are, yeah everything that, that you take for granted, yeah. Yeah. Have you had to make any adaptations to the house? Do you have No, no, I haven't. And I still go up and down the stairs and do everything as much as I can. Um, I'm right handed, so I was lucky with that. Oh, and what I've got to say, too, was I've never smoked. So that would normally be a kind of a little red flag. Mm. Um, and I drink only in moderation. You know, yeah, so it was it, it, unexpected. Totally unexpected. And as I said, I would have been ac- an active person. It wasn't. I wasn't somebody who just sat down in a couch. I'd retired four years earlier, and um, but I'd kept myself active. And I have, I now have nine grandchildren, which keep me Plenty extremely active. busy. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, keeping up with them. Okay, so Marie, you've kind of brought us up to to, to present time there with yeah. your story, and Louise. So yes. I might ask you a similar question. Sure. How did you end up working with people like Marie? Um. So a few years ago, we got an invitation to Dublin, um, to DCU. They were they have a had a program running at the time. It was called Medex. Um. So a few of us went up here, um, up from SETU, um, to have a look, and I didn't really know what I was going to see. Um, and when we arrived there, I was like, there was a lot of old people in the sports centre and I didn't really know what it was about. And then I realised, oh, that's what Medex was. <laughs> it was a it was a kind of a, a fitness um, class for older people who have had chronic conditions. Um, so we got a presentation during the day and we saw the programme in action. And I came home just going, wow, that was just amazing. Um, so I was already teaching um, clinical exercise physiology here with some of my colleagues and we part of the th- plan was that they wanted to expand this MedEx programme around the country. Um, so it's the idea of it was that you worked, um, you had a third level institution kind of where they prov- and they worked in conjunction with their sports centre to provide this. Um, to provide the kind of the academic and the practical experience. So we put um, a plan in place to kind of develop one. And obviously because of, you know, the type of people that we were looking to recruit, it was there was a lot of um, steps to be kind of followed. So it eventually we got our procedures in place and eventually um, there was a research project that was needed somebody to um, to oversee it. So I ended up starting with that. So that was my first um, sort of fl- flurry with this with this group. So it was a peripheral arterial disease um, research project. So we set a, a programme up um, for them where we helped them to deal with their um, claudication pain. So that's the pain that peripheral arterial disease um, patients suffer from. It's like a, a kind of a cramping in their leg, similar to um, angina. But because of the blockages are in the extremities in the legs, um, it manifests as as pain in the leg. So the pla- the project was to work with them to help them improve their capacity to deal with that. So we put a an exercise program in place for them, and I oversaw that. And once that was kind of finished, we decided we were kind of up and running, and we had the capacity then to expand it a little bit. So once that group had kind of gone through their um, their research project um, time, we expanded the group and invited more people to join. And I think that's when Marie mm. um, came on board. So we opened it up to other people who had chronic conditions 
and we offered two classes a week in the um, the gym or in the sports centre in the arena. And it sort of just took off from there. Um, and it was just, I suppose I was interested in it from an academic perspective. But that's one, it's one thing to kind of understand, like, you know, to learn about the conditions and the side effects of exercise or the benefits of exercise. But it's another thing to actually implement it. And particularly when you're talking about these groups where, you know, there's, I suppose when I when I work with the students who are teaching the general population, we do screening and we screen for the signs and symptoms. And it's like you're not working with any of these people. All the people you're going to work with say no to all of these questions. Whereas when we come to this group, it's like, yes, I have this. And they have multiple, often have multiple conditions. So it's it's under, you know, taking all of that knowledge that we have about the benefits, but also the side effects um, of um, their conditions and then designing exercise programs tailored to their needs and overseeing the implementation of that. So that's kind of what what we've been doing for the last number of years. Um, And it's been incredibly rewarding for me, but also for the students that we've managed to Mm -hmm. get on board to work with them as well. Um, You know, for them to actually be able to apply the the information that they're getting in class um, to real people and and see the results of it um, is just, you know, it's it's you can't. You can't teach that, you know, it's it's great for everybody. So um, that's actually one of the questions I, was, I yeah. was, you know, going to find out about the work that our students do on the programme. So Marie, maybe come back to you. So you've experienced some of our students yeah, and worked yeah, with I them. Have, so yeah. How did that go? I did it last year and this year. So last year, um, I actually had two students working with me. Um, one, um, a, a lovely lad, um, and he did the exercise um, bit with me. And then there was a a girl who did, she kind of talked about nutrition a lot. So as well as the exercise, the importance of good nutrition. Now, not that you can't eat rubbish, (laughs) but but the basics of things. And um, I kind of felt that it was what I would call a two-way street that... um, I benefited so much because, as Anna Louise said, um, it was an individual program for each person. And my particular one kind of concentrated on my leg and my arms and my shoulders, whereas other people, it would be other things. And there was a bit of balance work as well, because obviously with one leg not being great, balance would be a slight issue but yet I I'm solid on the ground because I know what I have to do to do that but with the students again I think they learnt a lot because as you said there's nothing like practical experience just like being okay if you have a recipe in front of you of how to make a cake it's all very well knowing there's flour eggs and sugar in it but how to actually put it together so that the cake rises properly. And I think that's how it kind of went with the with the students. And I really benefited from it. And this year then, again, again, I was lucky to have... Now, I think all the students are really good and anybody else in the class have all said how lovely the students are. And... Um, they really do because I can see the other people working in the gym 
are doing different things to me. So it is great that each each one is individual to each person according to their needs. I think the way it's structured for us is we have in second year, the students are learning how to, to work with the general population. And I know, Anna Louise, we've had discussions about this where we say that they tend to programme or come up with programmes of things that the students can do themselves and that they enjoy doing themselves yeah, which yeah. is fine when they're getting started off but then they progress on to active ageing first yes. is that right yeah. and then onto the X well so there's a little hierarchy there but I think it's so important that they get outside of their bubble and their yeah. area of, of comfort and realise okay so this person over here can't do the bodybuilding programme that I yeah. enjoy doing or lifting heavy, heavy weights or yeah. high intensity interval training we have to come up and adapt to something else but until they get that first hand experience does the, the penny doesn't drop. No, that's it. Yeah. And even the fact that from week to week, we kind of go and on the machine, they say, right, well, maybe we'll try a little heavier weight on this. And so you try that and you say, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but then maybe the following week you can do it with a, a slightly heavier weight and, you know, the gradual progression. But as I said before, um, I wouldn't have gone next nine or near a gym because I would be thinking, you know, I should be a, a, a skinny malinky in, in a little leotard and, you know, little crop top and things like this. But whereas now um, I, I go twice a week to the gym class and then to the active ageing exercise class and even I'm just back from... Um, 10 days in Gran Canaria and I went to the gym five times during the 10 days. Now, I didn't do the full hour programme, but I still did about kind of 40 minutes. That's yeah. it. So it, it has just become an integral it, part of your it life. Has, it's your yeah, routine. It now. really has changed, yeah, the way that I approach things. That's and phenomenal. the fact that, uh, again, to... I um, go out for a walk every day and bring my husband along <laughs> so that he gets a bit of exercise. Now, it's not a massive walk, just be half an hour, but usually out to Tremor and we get the fresh sea air. Lovely. You know? We're so, lucky to be able to yeah, do that. We are, yeah. And Louise, so we've, we've mentioned there um, Xwell and the Act of Ageing. Would you be able to give a little more context around those and what they are? Sure. Um, so the Xwell programme was something we ran initially, um, and but we do, we kind of discovered that the logistics of organising it was getting a little bit beyond what we were able to do while doing our, our other jobs full time. So um, after COVID, um, UPMC um, here in Waterford took over the running of the Xwell programme. Um, and we they formed a steering committee with which includes um, members of our department and the arena and UPMC. And the idea is that we kind of we get access to the people for um, for for students, um, but also for research. So we kind of they, they do they run the XL class um, and then we can kind of uh, feed into it with students to kind of um, offer some exercise consultation skills or exercise consultations to the participants and you know, maybe help them to um, do the the ha- habitual sort of develop the um, the kind of the lifestyle change um, aspect of it. Um, so that is kind of one thing. Um, and so once that happened, I was a bit like, oh, I don't have I don't have direct access to people anymore, um, which meant it just made my job a little bit harder. So last year, in I suppose in anticipation of 
COVID being over and, and needing this, uh, needing people again, I set up um, in I set up an active ageing group in collaboration with the um, with the gym in the arena so that we could have um, our own group of people who had kind of who were healthy older adults um, or who had pretty, uh, been through the XWELL programme and had kind of graduated from it and were ready to kind of move on to independent exercise. So we set it up about a year ago and we kind of recruited. And the first time we did it, we had a small number of people. And we're on our third running of it now. And, you know, it was kind of, it was very, very well subscribed this time. Um, and no more than any other programme. We've kind of adapted and evolved in terms of what we're after. So the what we try to do is provide a one-to-one experience for the participants with a student. So they work with one student over six to eight weeks um, to become more independent in the gym. So that's our aim with the students is that they design a, tr- a, a gym programme for this older adult um, that and they they instruct them, but they instruct them so that at the end of it, they can confidently come into the gym and work on their own. So that's kind of a big part of it. In in college, the students are learning in the module. They're learning about ageing and the physiological changes that happen as a result of ageing. Um, so obviously there's some, you know, you know, with ageing, we have this deterioration in our physiological, in our physio, in the body systems. And that deterioration increases our risk of developing kind of um, the chronic diseases that we hear so much about. So it's, I suppose the students learn that it's sort of how the how the bodies are changing as we get older. Um, and we're looking then at how exercise can help to offset some of those changes. And so the evidence is telling us that, you know, with some, some of the changes like muscle mass, we, you know, we hear a lot about that at the moment. Um, and that tends to start deter- de- um, deteriorating from your 40s. But if you start or um, maintain an exercise program that includes uh, progressive resistance training, you can offset that muscle mass loss. Um, you know, and that's really important in terms of old age and um, maintaining your independence and your function. Because obviously, once you lose your muscle mass, that has an impact on your physical activity levels. And once your physical activity levels start to decrease, your um, your health tends to go with that. So if we can help people to understand the importance of the kind of the components of fitness, the maintenance of the kind of the training, um, then we can kind of help, we can work with them. So it's sort of a, it's kind of a multitude of things that we're trying to achieve. Um, and part of it is education and raising awareness for the students, but also then for the general population. So I've kind I, of gone around about, around <laughs> about, but. <laughs> no, not at all. I think it, like it's a hugely important area, like, and it's a huge area of growth because we hear that we've got an, an aging population. Mm. I think I read, uh, before I came in that there's over uh, a million people in Ireland who are over the age of 60 and that 65% of people over the age of 65 are living with two or more of the chronic conditions that yeah. that, mm-hmm. that you mentioned there. So there's a massive population of people out there who would really benefit from properly structured and supervised exercise programmes that are going to be designed by exercise science professionals um, who understand the physiology, the physiological changes that are associated with mm-hmm. ageing, like you, like you mentioned there, Anne-Louise. So I, like in terms of employment opportunities, even for, for students and graduates coming out, we often think about like the, the, the working in high performance sport or working in, in a gym with people who are, you know, are looking are, are similar to the students themselves. But we've got this huge population of people over here who haven't, 
but not being ignored. But now are, there's a light being shone on them over there and there's so many opportunities. Yeah, absolutely. And like, you know, the projections are that that population is going to grow. Um, the the data that I saw recently said we should have over 1.6 million people over the age of 65 by 2050, which is, you know, 25 years away. So the population is growing at a really rapid rate. Um, and obviously our life expectancy has increased enormously in the last kind of 100 years. Um, and what we need to do now is to ensure that that life expectancy has a health associated with it. So we talk about lifespan and health span and lifespan is how long you live. Health span is how long you live that healthy. And what we want to do is reduce the amount of time where you're in poor health before you die, because unfortunately that's it's inevitable. Um, no one's getting out of here. <laughs> no one's getting out of here alive. Um, so we just want to make sure that you the, li- the years that you do live, you live well and you, your quality of life is is improved. Um, yeah. And as Marie has sort of said, you know, the physical activity that people do is obviously beneficial for their health. It reduces their risk of disease. It reduces the symptoms of any disease that they may have. Um, but it's also, there's also the social aspect of yeah, it, that's, you know, yeah. which I, is. Yeah, which is so important. Like even we've arranged now the active ageing um, on the I think it's the 19th of December. We're going to have we're going to go for our lunch oh, after yeah. after uh, Anna's exercise class. Yeah. So, you know, there'll be at least 10 of us going and maybe more. Yeah. But and we always go for usually go for a coffee after the class, after I've done the gym session, then the class. <laughs> I think I deserve a coffee then. But but I mean, we all have a chat and. We could talk about anything and everything, but as I said, there is the social aspect to it. And as Anna Louise said, um, we are an ageing population and it's up to us ourselves to look after ourselves. And if there's more and more programmes like this and if there's more publicity about them so that people are aware and they know that it's a fun exercise to do rather than it's not, as I said, something where you have to have this piece of equipment or that piece of equipment and there's a bit of social um, interaction as well. It's so important. It is, It really is because obviously we've discussed the health benefits of it and and Louise, I think you said earlier on, you know, there's that kind of deterioration cycle as you know as we get a little bit older and we lose a little bit more muscle mass and then we become a little bit less inactive and because we're inactive we lose more muscle mass and because you're inactive you're not going out and doing things and then you're losing you're not making those connections Mm -hmm. so to be completely reversing not just the the physical side of it but as well filling up that that social connection bucket as well as is really, really important. Mm. I see it with my own, just thinking of my own dad here. That you know, My mum had peripheral artery, arterial disease and she passed away a couple of years ago. And my dad is bad at the, the social connection side of things. Like I was trying to encourage him to do the men's sheds or to get out. Mm. But no, he lives a quite an insular life. But it's it's important. It's so important to, yeah. uh, to, to get out and, and have your Christmas party. That's Absolutely. it. That's it. And even, I mean, things like people that go to dance classes, you know, like, that is a form of exercise. Absolutely, yeah. And there's the great social aspect to it as well. And even just going out for a walk in Tremor, I mean, we see the same, you know, a lot of the same people. Um, and 
they're just going out for their little walk, but it, it's a break away from the house. And especially, I feel, um, for people that are living on their own, it's very hard for them to try and motivate themselves to get out. But if they knew there was kind of something like the act of ageing, um, where they could just go themselves, because I know a lot of people don't like going to things on their own. Um, they feel they need to have someone mm. with them. Yeah. Um, but if they knew there was something like that, where everybody is an individual and um, they can have do a bit of exercise and then have a little chat afterwards. And I think as well, even though you were saying you weren't a gym bunny before and you yeah. wouldn't have kind of considered it, but I think sometimes as well, you know, that people are like, when they hear of active ageing, they kind of, they think of older people. They think it's not them. Yeah. And, you know, they and they think that it's not, you know, their vision of what it is. So I think that's what's yeah. nice about the gym, what we've been yeah. doing for a while yeah. is that what, they're a little bit scared of the gym, mm. but then it's it's also kind of a challenge. It's not kind of a patronising type of exercise class where they feel like it's, yeah. you know, it's designed for old people that they don't, and that's not how they view themselves. So this is something where they, they come and they're kind of challenged outside of their comfort zone but it's something then that they can, they're kind of like, they're quite proud of themselves yeah. for, I go to the gym, you know, to be able to say to their children or their grandchildren, I go to the gym, yeah. you know, I'm, yeah. I'm off to the gym today. That's a, that's kind of a another. Of honor. Yes, exactly, Jeez, exactly. Yeah. I think yeah. that's a, um, an important part of it as well. And I think maybe it's important to just differentiate at the moment. So the Xwell programme is open to people who ha- are living with chronic conditions or maybe recovering from uh, from an instance like like you, Marie. Yeah. But the active ageing programme is open to anyone. 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 Mm-hmm. That anyone. doesn't, you like, you yeah. don't have to be a sick no. person or a frail no. person. That's open no. to anyone to go yeah. along. Yeah. yeah. It's and a, I, I mean, I know there are some people who who would be a lot younger than me there. I'd, I'd but say we've had I'm older probably, too. Yeah. Like yeah. we... We had someone last year who was 79, yeah. um, you know, uh, which is great, um, great to see. And, you know, just seeing them in the gym and kind of working, working out. And I think the other thing that has been brilliant is that because the students are learning um, so much information about how the body works and how it changes, they're really beginning to tailor the programmes, you know, for functional benefit. So like Marie was talking about earlier the um, with the stairs. So we do yeah. a lot of things like that where we, we ask people about their fear of falling yeah. and then we tailor the exercise to kind of help prevent that. So that's why we do a lot of balance work. So, yeah. um, we do a lot of stepping, you know, so we not only do we step up, but we practice stepping down. So, you know, when I was chatting to some people um, in the past and they were saying, you know, you're having a little conversation and they say that they some of them were talking about coming up the stairs backwards and coming down the stairs sideways and and I was like what kind of my mind was blown because it hadn't occurred to me and so we would then work on walking down steps and you know the importance of that so um those are little things that kind of the students have learned and kind of and then they've been able to see the benefit of that because with a few weeks of training the person is coming back going I can I can walk down the stairs or walk up the stairs one you know one foot yeah. in front of the other, um you know which reduces their risk of falling it makes them safer so these are kind of things that are just incredibly valuable to the to that person but they they seem so small when you think mm-hmm. about it you know or when I teach about when I have that in my lecture slides yeah they're like oh yeah whatever yeah. like you know but when they actually see the person who's saying 
I can, you know, so this means that I can go shopping or I, this yeah. means I can go to Tremor and I can go for a walk because I can yeah. make, I can manage those curbs. You know, yeah, that's, that's real and, meaning. And I mean, the fact even we do sidesteps where we're walking over blocks and yeah. you have to live. And now for me, walking sideways is difficult since the stroke and even the cobblestones in town, which are lovely, but I really have to go slowly. Lovely, but lethal. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I mean, they're uneven, so it's harder for me walking. Um, but again, doing the exercises does help and gives you... And it's not even confidence, because I have plenty of confidence. <laughs> <laughs> but to know my limitations, you know, and know that... Um, I have to make sure my foot is fully down on the ground. Yeah, it's, it comes back to this the yeah. stuff we take for granted. Yeah, exactly. You know, you have to yeah. work on it and, and, yeah. and maintain that. I think there might be people listening now, Marie, who might want to follow in your footsteps and right. be inspired to, to join an exercise programme like this. Yeah. So I think I know the answer to this. Would you recommend that they do it? Oh, most definitely. Most definitely I would. I mean, it's really, it really has. I mean, I would have been to other big classes like Pilates classes and yo I think yoga as well is very good but even the fact now that, I mean I've joined the arena as as a an annual member and I you know do other classes and everything there as well and it's now a place where initially it might have been an intimidating place for oh, you yeah, to go. But now totally. It's... As I said, a gym, I wouldn't. And whereas when I went on holidays there, just where I'm just back from, and I was able to go and I went in and I looked at the equipment and I said, no, that's not quite right. But I was able to adapt what I knew. Yeah, Anna Louise has a big smile on her face <laughs> here because Marie and is now an independent gym user. Yeah, yeah, that is that yeah. is brilliant. Yeah, you know, and and I found a little corner where I went over and I did my sound um, side lunges and things, but I had a wall nearby for so that for I could yeah <laughs> for safety. That's it's been absolutely fascinating. I think it's an amazing story. And, you know, it, 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 your personal story is fascinating. And I think the story of mm. uh, the, the, the setup of the exercise classes and, uh, and how they're working so well now and having such a positive impact on the community is absolutely amazing. A symbiotic union. Oh, oh there we go. <laughs> there we go. Brilliant. OK. <laughs> Listen, I'm going to leave it there, but thank you very much for both of you for coming in and telling us uh, your stories today. I really appreciate it and it has been enlightening speaking to you. Thank you. Thank you. Wow, I feel like I could listen to Marie talk forever there. She has such a lovely, engaging manner when she's speaking and her story is so interesting and rewarding. One thing I forgot to ask Anna Louise during the recording is how to get involved in programmes like this. She told me that obviously down here in Waterford, the Xwell programme is run out of the SETU arena. There are also Xwell programmes running in 12 locations in County Dublin, plus nine other locations outside of Dublin. If you're interested in finding out about the one nearest you, check out the Xwell website. I also think it's relevant to highlight the important role that the Irish Sport and Exercise Science Association should play for the exercise professional who wants to work in, with specialist populations like this. 
Initially, we will provide opportunities for accreditation and CPD, and also we will advocate for recognition to further enhance the credibility of exercise professionals amongst the existing allied healthcare professionals. Okay, that's it for today. If you enjoyed listening, we'd really appreciate it if you could share the episode or perhaps leave us a review. This would really help to spread the word and build our audience. For anything else, you can find us online at Irish SESA. Feel free to get in touch. We welcome any comments, feedback or questions you may have, so please do reach out. Thanks for listening. I'll catch you in the next episode.